Hello everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Concast, the consulting podcast brought to you by Consult, the consulting club of NIDM, where we interact directly with prominent personalities in the world of management consulting. Today, we have here with us Mr. Sutesh Dasgupta, Manager M&A Strategy at KPMG India. Sir has 9 years of professional experience in management consulting and corporate development roles. His key sectors of expertise include consumer markets and internet businesses. Prior to his MBA, he has also worked in consultancy roles in organizations such as Credit Suisse and Ernst & Young. We are extremely delighted to have you here with us, sir, and are grateful to you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here for what is sure to be a very insightful session. So, sir, can you take us through your career path and tell us a bit more about yourself? and was the switch from the world of engineering over to the world of management comfortable or were there some hurdles in the process sure so been in the consulting and uh, strategy world be it management consulting or corporate strategy for close to 9 years now and uh, i went from a graduation to bitspilani that a dual degree in uh, engineering and msc honors in economics and uh, how it happened uh, that i ended up in consulting is because i had economics with engineering i always uh, was fascinated at how the tech side and the business side uh, marry with each other and as a part of our curriculum uh, we don't have a final year project uh, which most engineering schools do at bits it's a full term uh, graded internship so and we get to choose where to apply so i chose to apply uh, with ey at that point in time in the management consulting team instead of our uh, tech form so started my management consulting journey from there with ey as a, a final year college intern uh, towards the end of uh, the internship i was offered a ppo and uh, i was pretty happy with what i was doing and as i saw a calling there so i continued to go ahead uh, with the ppo uh, stayed back and grew over designations with uh, ey then i moved to credit suite but when you look at credit suite it wasn't the mainstream ib it was their in house strategy consulting team in the ceo's office so the reason was very simple uh, this is uh, this is a point in time where i would like to say i had already appeared from a gmat so before uh, going overseas or uh, somewhere in india where, uh, with my gmat score i wanted to be sure which side of the table do i want to uh, be on because that would be a question a lot of you uh, students also might be having right you might be liking strategy but there are two angles to it one is the management consulting side where you're advising your client the other side is what is quintessentially known as general management which is you're a part of the corporate strategy team of an organization so that's why i chose uh, the credit suite side of things and then post that uh, applied for my uh, b schools in us got through a couple of them like cornell but uh, for other reasons decided to go up to isb and then yeah then kpmg happened on the day one of placements and been there for close to 4 years now enjoying the journey so far let's see what's there in store in the future yeah that's so good to hear sir thank you so much uh, so how do you think uh, the economy is reacting to a pandemic which has had such huge and lasting effects globally yeah so uh, see one thing we need to be cognizant of the fact is what happened uh, and the scale at which it happened has not been witnessed uh, even by our forefathers ever since there been an organized economy out there it's not been witnessed uh, i would even uh, discount out the world war 1 and 2 cuz uh, they were polit geopolitical issues 
and at the end of it at the helm of affairs there was a human intervention which could and which did stop it at some point so you would see there are only few geographies or few countries which were affected by it and the because it's geopolitical in nature you have a control over it you can decide to stop a war you can sign a treaty but here it's been far reaching uh, countries across have been trying their best to uh, contain it and if we see over time even today where we do not have we have a vaccine still to prove that we we have we are any but if you look down there but if you look from a indian indian economic scale you would see a lot of sectors are back on a v shape but uh, and also the thing is india is predominantly a consumption driven economy right i mean something we learn uh, back in uh, high school economics and then college and again b school right it's 60 to 62% of the gdp is driven by uh, private consumption so being relatively easier for india to uh, recover but having said that we need to be cognizant that uh, it's again a very sector specific dynamics you might see a consumer markets uh, recovering much faster than a hospitality sector or a automotive sector where it is discretionary spending and people would still think uh, twice before say changing the consumer durables or buying a new car or investing a new property so when we say uh, it's recovering and it's recovering very fast and probably uh, of a lot of companies that i have advised uh, over the last few months most of them uh, are putting their 2022 business projections the revenue projections at least to match up to what where they had closed 19 let's face it it's not overnight going to surpass your none of the business revenue or the top lines are going to surpass 19 revenues overnight as long as you're not a hyper local player a internet based hyper local player so probably we can somewhere see by fy22 most of the sectors reviving that 19 number but of course the dark horse here is the internet based businesses because structurally the economics have changed if you look ahead the someone like a tata going in and acquiring a big basket which you guys would have read like it happened earlier this month so those things are going to happen because structurally the demand trends the consumption consumption pattern the channel through which you will purchase is changing it's going more towards it was going towards an online driven consumption but somewhere uh, i would say this catalyzed the movement even faster so structurally things would change economy is definitely reviving i'm pretty sure your b school kids are also closely monitoring the job market so it has definitely revived as compared to what probably your seniors would have faced when they were just passing out last year so everything is on a recovery track but uh, i will just say it with that caveat that it's a good case for any business to reach the fy19 figures if they are at least able to reach that much and structurally all industries have changed a lot be it uh, because of the consumption drivers or the limitations things have changed and as long as a business is ready to adapt to it and move forward i think we are on a track towards recovery it'll take time but we are on a track towards recovery yeah. and i won't be quoting numbers here yeah cuz i'm pretty sure you guys have access to 99 uh, consulting firm reports we ourselves keep writing one every day so numbers i really don't think that makes that much sense it's more about understanding what's driving it and what's the trend ahead yeah uh, that was very insightful uh, thank you so much sir so do you think mna could be a strategy to deal with economic downturns also like mckinsey wrote in its white paper that in past mm-hmm. downturns companies that pursued acquisitions and divestitures in a structured way tended to outperform their peers 
they yeah. carefully studied the asian financial financial crisis of 1997 the dot com mm-hmm. bubble of 2000 and the world financial crisis of 2008 and 2009 and in each mm-hmm. of those crises companies that acquired and invested in a strategic way performed significantly better than their peers who were too conservative or relied on only one mega dip to recover the differential varied by sector but it reached as high as six times over they also mm-hmm. said that in past downturns recovery from the current crisis will present companies with unusual challenges challenges and the road to recovery will be steeper they also said that to regain momentum many organizations will have to rule out business as usual that is a strategic approach to recovery will be a necessity and not an option in this climate well capitalized companies could revisit their m&a strategies so sir what is your take on this so see it's somewhere on the lines of what i just said right that the market Uh, across sectors have uh, witnessed a never before seen structural change so uh, see for any business to grow the most fundamental thing is there's only two way you can grow organically or inorganically and organic growth becomes a simpler strategy to pursue when it is more business as usual the moment you see or witness something like a pandemic which structurally changes everything right from your supply chains of big giants like uh, the dabbers and the nestles of uh, the world got disrupted in india when the borders were sealed uh, people are moving towards an online channel even for conven- the classical conventional things like medical care i mean barring people our generation our parents uh, few months uh, back wouldn't have thought of going on a practo and ordering for their medicines or trying to get a doctor's video consulting appointment but it is something which most parents are doing these days when uh going physically being there is posing them as risk so definitely mna becomes uh, strategically very important for two ways i i will i won't just paint a rosy picture okay so you need to understand that first we define organic inorganic and how inorganic becomes more pertinent in the current situation and now when you when you say mna there's always a buy side and there's a sell side right so for the buy side it would be the conglomerates who now strategically want to say uh plug in the white spaces or gaps be in their product portfolio be it the way they approach the ma- market so with reliance having agio as their online channel and they're addressing uh the uh e-commerce uptick that has even happened even more after the pandemic someone like a tata products uh has tata click but tata click is more apparel so now they would be looking for something like okay food and grocery is the biggest retail sector in india so can we go ahead and can we uh, invest there so overnight you cannot create a firm so it becomes more important okay maybe i'll go and evaluate something like a big basket i'll invest for stakes in it so uh, that is a uh, strategic move with the bigger conglomerates are likely to do to consolidate uh, portfolios of their businesses gain competitive advantages and more importantly align their business strategy with where the market is headed that is one side second side you cannot ignore the fact that also a lot of startups not all startups did wonderfully well they might have very good ideas but when there was an economic downturn a lot of them also faced a lot of cash crunches which also means that on the sell side there would be a lot of brilliant ideas out there who would be looking forward for funding to come out of the economic uh, downturn so somewhere it's just the two uh, things coming together and i strongly second uh, the article that you quoted that uh, in a situation uh, where even after recovery it's going to be a very dynamic environment and uh, 
the classics are somewhere close to being written off you have to become very relevant with today and where the trends are going and inorganic growth and your mna deals are one of the best solutions to reach there to plug in portfolio gaps to reach your customers better to understand what your customers need and if your older methods couldn't deliver it you can always uh, bring it into your portfolio offerings by acquiring a more relevant firm which uh, somewhere i would say is complementary to yours you cannot just get a random firm which is not aligned with your things it has to be complementary so that uh, you guys would have uh, studied about in your uh, b school right the whole concept of synergy so it is basically a synergy has to be drawn in whenever there is an mna deal that's when a value creation happens otherwise you're just investing money and there will be value leakages so i will leave, leave you with that though there's a trend which is definitely going to uh, take off even more it's about that synergic match between the buyer's existing business and uh, what the seller can bring to the table yeah thank you so much for that answer sir uh, how do you think the consumer market is changing and what could be the road ahead normal okay sure so one thing how the consumer market in india is classically changing is uh, technically we have always seen that the retail market in india is primarily unorganized i'm leaving aside which is a pretty uh, prevalent but if you look at retail per se your general trade which is your mom and pop shops or what we call as kiranas are the ones which have been dominant right modern trade pan india there are maximum 4 to 4 4500 stores which includes your all the right from your dmart to your lamarsh that entire range is just 4000 4500 stores and uh, retail spending in india so far the companies them largely focusing on the top 8 cities as long as it's not a hul or a itc who would reach to the last tier of the cities it was primarily concentrated in the top 8 cities or see the top 8 cities it's the classic four metros which we have studied since high school and then there's uh, bangalore hyderabad obviously and then there's the emerging markets of uh, ahmedabad and pune but what is happening is uh, what we have also seen while advising a lot of clients and while being on ground making the go to market strategy for companies is uh, the tier 2 and the tier 2 plus plus that is beyond tier 2 market is also uh, taking off big time so from a retail market consumer markets perspective i feel that there is huge untapped potential that is uh, lying in the tier 2 markets uh, which a lot of fmcg uh, players would try to tap and uh, obviously it would need a very different approach until unlike a city where you have got a single tier of distribution to make sure the goods reach probably there you have to use a stockist on a sub stockist level basically a tier distribution to reach there so this is in terms of the market now what becomes very important i'm really sorry i'm just going back to that point but it is what it is right now uh e-commerce i don't need to tell it to you guys i won't harp about that point we all know that is where it is there is no sector right now where uh, you do not have a e-commerce footprint uh food and grocery or restaurants are two biggest uh, components of uh, uh the indian consumption basket has is already well represented by big players then uh, you have got your pharma you have got dedicated players in cosmetics furniture online jewelry like the likes of carrot lanes and the urban ladders that i'm talking about they have picked a very niche areas and they are doing wonderfully well and if you look at urban ladder again uh, one of i'm just going back to your previous question even that even it got acquired by one of our conglomerates a bigger conglomerates right so not only are they become proving their own business but they are also making it a business proposition attractive enough 
that some of India's biggest conglomerates are going in and investing. So that is one thing. And the final thing that I would uh, want to get to the table, one is the market expansion, second is the channel, and third is a product. You would, uh, you would have seen a lot of backward integration happening in the consumer market space. And when I say backward integration, I am hinting at private labels. Classically, your uh, FMCG players were FMCG players who would be the manufacturers and the marketeers of the good. And a retailer would be a person who would classically be selling. But today, if you walk into, say, a Spencer, a Big Bazaar, or if you try to buy online from a Flipkart and Amazon, you would see a lot of private labels there, like Fresh and Pure, uh, at least in the Big, ba uh, Big Bazaar uh, family right, right now, obviously, there's been a lot of sale and the entities have changed. But if you look at Big Bazaar per se, roughly for uh, last time I checked, upward of 40% of this revenue uh, pool is contributed by their in-house brands. Similarly, Solimo and the likes of it for Amazon. Flipkart has its own range of uh, private labels. Like that they all really acquired Mintra. So obviously, all Mintra's private label came with it. So private label is one thing where retailers are foring in more and more because you need to understand as a retailer, you can only get the margin out of selling the product. But when you also become a brand owner, it increases your profit pool. So that is one more trend, which I think the Indian consumer markets has to look forward to because uh, I, uh, roughly we did a study, uh, you can probably look it up. It's the, uh, it's a thing, it's a report that we re uh, released at the Retail uh, Leadership Submit in 2025, 2020, just before the lockdowns. Uh, so it's on the online and private labels and uh, a retail across categories, it varies, but any category you're in, as a retailer, what you're making today, you will end up making 1.5 to 2x more margins if you have your private labels. And none of these retailers are actually going in and manufacturing. They are getting hold of smaller contractual manufacturers who are manufacturing the product on their behalf. And all they're doing is branding and cross-leveraging on the store presence that they have, where they can interact with the customers and promoting their brands. So I think these are the three main areas that I would say. One is market beyond uh, the tier one cities. Second is the growing prominence of uh, the online channel. And third would be a surge in private labels that we are most likely to see even more going forward. Yeah. Thank you so much for that answer, sir. Can you shed some light on the area of consultancy and how you deal with the projects that clients bring to you? See, uh, consulting, I would uh, just uh, try to sum it up in uh, three bullets. Like if you're aspiring to be a consultant, the three things that you need. One is, uh, I won't say asking the right question because that is everywhere in life, but knowing the right question. Because at the end of the day, your client is always going to come with to you with a problem statement. And to answer that problem statement, you need that 99 questions that you need to answer to arrive at that final answer. Someone says, I want my top line to grow by say X percent, or I want to expand my market reach to XYZ areas, or I want to cost save on my fact manufacturing. That is the motherhood statement. The 99 key drivers and areas of analysis that you need to delve into. So the first thing that becomes is you knowing and rather identifying the right questions that you need to answer so that you have the final answer to uh, recommend your client on. The second area which becomes important is an analytical mindset. I'm not saying you have to number crunch every day. It is a mix of quantitative and qualitative assessment, but you need to have that knack and acumen or an analytical way of thinking to address these problems. 
And the third, and it's very important, I don't see how we should undermine it, especially in consulting, is the first two are technical skills. Third one is soft skills. Soft skills uh, are of immense importance because at the end of the day, you, uh, you have to maintain a very strong professional relationship with your client. And let's face it, the client is running the business day in and day out. Tomorrow you're coming, you're analyzing some market trends and uh, probably some of their own data and then going back and advising them, right? So your soft skills, the degree of conviction, the confidence that have in your analysis and the relationship you maintain with the clients become very important. So these would be the three things. Apart from that, I think everyone knows that consulting, though prima facie, it might look a very glamorous job. I don't deny it is. You travel a lot, you meet a lot of brilliant people, but it is a demanding role. So uh, if you want to establish yourself in consulting, uh, you have to leave that uh, 9.30 to 6.37 p.m. is going to my work day idea at the door before entering into a consulting firm. It is going to be demanding. Uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but you get the drift, right? It's a demanding role. It's reward, rewarding. But as long as uh, you identify that these three areas, like being analytical, knowing how to answer the right questions, uh, and you have to uh, group. See, not all of us, a lot of uh, B-School kids are engineers. Where we are in India, primarily groomed or uh, incentivized to build our technical know-how. Some of us might lack on the soft skill aspects, relationship aspects, but your presence becomes very important in uh, consulting. So I think it's, uh, as long as you're able to address these streets, uh, brilliant. And yeah, I mean, if you want to like, start practicing on those case studies, because I don't know if your placements are over or not, but having a good grip on uh, case studies would be pretty important for at least the first couple of rounds because that is how we have, how kids at B school are usually assessed. But of course, there's a PI round later where your soft skills and all are tested. So, yeah. Thank you, sir. That was a very insightful answer. Uh, what, the last question. What is mm -hmm. the one advice you would like to give to our budding consultants? Okay. Uh, so, uh, one advice. So I think let's face it. I mean, uh, a person across the camera can give 19 advices. Um, the thing that B school kids would be most interested in is how do we crack into the consulting world? Cause the so-called quote unquote, uh, words of wisdom you have access to through 99 online, uh, articles and reports. So all I will tell you is uh, folk, uh, practice on the case studies uh, and uh, before applying for any job, do a bit of research on what the firm does. Try to reach out to Allens or uh, through industry folks through LinkedIn. Try to figure out what you are applying for and is there a drive for it? Because let's face it, consulting is going to be a demanding role. You cannot just apply for it because your next door neighbor in your hostel or quad is applying and you think it's charismatic to do it. So one is do your share of homework before deciding where to apply. Cause I don't know about your college, but back in ISB, we did have a limit on the number of uh, applications that a student can apply for. So make sure you decide that you apply to the right set of things and yeah, just practice, like just get into your uh, cohorts with your friends and do uh, mock interviews, do a lot of case studies together so that you're prepared for that day. 
because given you guys have made it to be school you guys are all smart enough i think once you make that cut and of course if you have a passion and drive to be in the industry you will learn a lot of things on uh, the job that's not a challenge i think the eminent challenge for you guys is right to make it to the firm right so i would leave you at that like prep well and yeah and be informed of what you're applying for because every consulting work firm works a different way like i'm a part of eminent strategy even within my firm what my management consulting folks would be doing would be very different as compared to what i as a mna strategist do so just do your share of homework also on that before deciding cuz it's not worth it right you put in so much effort you take up a job role and then you decide realize rather that this is not uh, what i was looking forward to yeah thank you so much sir yeah. for that answer and thank you so much for joining us here today and for sharing your knowledge expertise with us We are grateful to you for enlightening us, and your insight will surely help us in defining our career path in the future. Learning from you was truly a pleasure. Thank you so much once again, sir. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Have a good day.